Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes. completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started yasmina is the cmo at interverse ai which is the no code platform to populate your metaverse with event host shop assistants tour guides and then many more intelligent non player characters In this interview, Yasmina spoke about the power of being yourself and then demonstrated it wonderfully by being her wonderful self. We talked about thinking outside the box, connecting with people as human beings first, and her journey from her roots in Africa and then to working in many male-dominated industries. She shares us the valuable lessons that she has shared that she had learned from her dad about working for passion and not for making money and she, how she had paved her own path by doing so hi asmina welcome to the chosen leadership podcast thank you very much thank you for, for having me today samit very nice wonderful and to begin with for anybody who is listening can you share a little bit about yourself who you are and what do you do sure so in a nutshell I'm a passionate person. Early adopters of technology have been roaming the globe so far with various jobs. So I can't tell you I am expert in this or that. I like to talk, to see myself as someone who touches into different subjects, different things, and like the old wise elf saying, "Okay, I know a little bit of everything." <laughs> Wonderful. And can you share a little bit more about that? So, so from place to place, different passions. What what is beneath all of that? What has shaped you as this kind of a person? I would probably say that I came. I'm originally from Africa, from North Africa. So I come from a man and a patriarchal society. So that's my rebel side. Where I was like, oh, no, I like to stand my point, and I'm a bit stubborn. So and I like to do, you know, what my mind. tell me to do so it's thinking outside of the box if that makes sense and i think that started from there i had a very supportive family and parents and my journey started with car manufacturing so with a japanese brand 
trying to open up their network and their sales to Africa. And it's not a job for a girl, right? Usually guys who are tuning their cars, talking about engines, about all the features and everything. So yes. <laughs> that's kind of the yeah. start of the journey. Yes. And can you share any interesting maybe events or people who have shaped you? Because as you said, living in a patriarchal society and then being a woman and going your own way. So you have done that. You have established yourself as a leader. Can you share something like interesting? Because I understand that can bring both its rewards, but at the same time, the journey can be challenging as well. Absolutely. I think that as a woman from a different ethnicity than the rest, when diversity and inclusion was not the top priority, you have to deal with all the issues, with all the meanness and sometimes the ignorance of people. And I think that during this first two steps, my father, bless his soul, was a strong man. And meanwhile, he was trying to infuse this strength into me because I'll probably say I was the first one in the family as a female to come out and say, I want to do whatever I want. And he did not stop me. He just gave me two words. He said, be yourself and enjoy. And that kind of two words now that I'm 20 years later, it makes more sense than when you are in your 20s. Because for me at 20s, it meant freedom, it meant everything. Now it means being wiser, being more, let's say, enjoying the, your passion in terms of work and balancing your life. So I think that's where like the first steps in my life were shaped by this great man. And I think that it's important to also mention that even we are in the Web3 and the new technologies, the women still are a minority. And I think that the person who maybe made me, let's say, shape in a different way was the founders I'm working with who really made impression to me because he was like, you're a female, I'm gay. Imagine the combination. We are two crazy people trying to make our steps down and it's hard, but we're doing it because we love doing it and we're impressing people because... We are driven by our passion. So passion is, again, is all about your leadership. You, it's not about what, you, what your vision is, how much passion you're putting in it. Wonderful. And it's visible in how you speak, how you're leading forward. So can you share now how that shapes your leadership now? Well, I think that I'm an old, I would probably say old school because I started working 20 years ago. So obviously I'm in my 40s. I'm not in my 20s or 30s. So leadership at the time was like a one-way communication. We get the information, we execute it. Our, and again, this kind of ways that we learned, we copy what we learn. And then when I started managing teams, I took a totally different step and we did not have learning and coachings and trainings and everything that today is very fancy in the workplace. So what happens is that I led by instinct, by emotional intelligence, if we can talk this way. Why? Because I think that women, we are more maybe sens sensitive to that versus men's because the fact that we nest as females, the nesting in the, back to nature again, we don't go to, I'm not a complex or a complicated person in my way of doing. I'm a very down to earth with my African roots. There's a lot of storytellings. So this kind of comes naturally. So, and most of the time I do not consider as my teams as like a team member. I always keep them as a family because we grow together. We nurture together. I'm not your leaders or your managers. I'm the person who's just having the job title, but we're going to work as a team. It's our success. 
And I think that is very important because then people will understand that their mistake will impact everybody. Their success will impact everybody. So they are more conscious about their own role, their own weaknesses. And then people start nurturing and thriving through this kind of context in terms of leadership. Because everything that we can teach you today, if you don't have the basic human instinct, any coaching and training, any programs will not do any difference to the people around you. Because you don't know from an instinct point of view, from an emotional point of view, how you trigger the, the best in them. Thank you for sharing about the instinct and emotions in a world where we see a lot of phonetic, very analytical and data-driven thinking also prevalent. So how do you balance the two? How do you trust your instinct, especially when you do not have data or when you do not have a well-reasoned argument to back it up? With? Well, the thing is, marketing is not about creations and social media posts. Marketing is based on data and users' behavior, understanding this data analysis, the numbers and the algorithm to make them do what you want. So it's data mm. plus emotional because we trigger fear, we trigger love, we trigger ambitions, we trigger all the emotion for you to click and buy something or do something on our behalf for any brands that we're working with. You can see Nike, Starbucks, like there are a lot of examples and we can carry on the conversation for hours about the emotional triggers within the marketing. We don't talk to them that much. We only show the nice social media posts. How does that impact the leadership is that I figured out that, yes, I'm a data person. I need to analyze and I need to have this business acumen, which is based on figures and numbers, the AB data, the financial state, which kind of when you are on a board members, you have to talk about. On the other hand, my first step was, okay, I'm sitting and there are like only men around me. How do they feel? You read through their face, through their postures, through their way they answer. You understand them from a feeling, an emotional point of view. And that's the emotional intelligence that comes to the leadership. Because everybody, as you mentioned, quite rightly, is about data. But we are human. Most of us, 99% of the research have proven today that people buy by emotion, even from a corporate point of view. They don't buy by data. They will trust you. They will convert. Yeah. They don't trust you. You can tell them that you're Apple and they were like, I don't care. I don't know the guys, I'm not going to bet on you. So how about leading by emotion? How about coming to a Zoom meetings? And I have 10 people out in the meet senior teams of my teams coming together and we do a weekly round out. The first things I am sitting and honestly, I sit back and as, as I said, on an ear in the real life ones, and I check everyone's, their eyes, their emotions, mm. their features and everything. And my first text is, guys, how is everybody? Not from the generic question is they know that I'm genuine because I am there for them in terms of on the back, on the back yeah. stage of it. So it's like, how is your dog today? Because I've come and shared, I'm like, guys, today, not my best day. My kid was just roofing, roaming, venting, or my cat did not come home yesterday. We were up until 2 a.m. in the morning. And obviously that's the stories that happens to me as your VP or your CEO, this kind of daily life struggles or my mother-in-law was at home and I had to cook twice and she didn't like it. So guys, I didn't read through the whole document. Can you resume? People like the honesty. They like the human side of it. And then they start connecting saying, oh God, she has the same problem as everybody. Oh my God, she can understand that my girlfriend was not nagging me or my kids 
was sick and whatever. And people are like, oh, I'm more open. I'm more open to you. So being a real human, this is what it means. Putting yourself in their shoes, having the empathy, but being, you know, yourself too, not creating a persona because you can feel me like this with you. And I'm the same with my providers, with my clients, with whoever I meet. Like I could be in an exhibition, I don't know you. And we came across and people are like, oh, but you are really the same person as we talked at the, at, yeah, <laughs> don't change. This is, yeah. this is me, genuinely me. And I'm interested in what you're doing. What is it? And I will talk about my kids, my career, my husband, who is another kid in the family, my cat, who's my favorite person because he's the only one listening. So <laughs> I keep telling my team, my cat listen more than my kids. And I hope that you are better than my cat, guys, because at least I love him most right now. He's the top of the ranking. <laughs> so this is what I'm talking about when we talk about leadership. It's tribal. It's really tribal's ways of doing it. Indeed. I think thank you for sharing that wonderful example. And what you shared, right? You Earlier you spoke about being yourself. But now you've given a very good example where you demonstrated that even in a virtual setting, you say that you're noticing how people are like dealing or what they're dealing with insights and you are listening to them. You are aware of their stories. You're aware of what is happening in their world outside of work. And then because of that, people do not have to wear a persona or a mask in front of you. And that uh, creates so much freedom. I, I, am, I can sense it in my body right now. Like it releases, even in an interview like this, there are always like expectations. So what is an expected question? What is, what should I ask? What should I, where should I challenge you? Where should I be diplomatic? And I think you have already put me at ease by sharing that. But that's a wonderful example of being yourself, but also taking it to your team. That's simple, like uh, how are you doing, but really going deeper. Uh, before a meeting starts, it can really make the rest of the meeting uh, much more freeing. Uh, enjoyable rather than stressful and full of pressure. Absolutely. I can give you so many examples in my, in my last eight, 15 years of leadership because I did not came across as this before. I was more shy, less personal. And you learn because when you ask people, how are you? People will say, it's okay. But if you don't come first forward and being genuine, because everyone can sense that you're genuine or not. We are all human beings. So we're not going to cheat ourselves, are we? Because it's fine, everything is okay. Or you come just to make it nice. No, don't be nice. Be yourself because you have your ups and downs. And I can tell you that people at the beginning, my team members were like, oh, what is this kind of lady? Why is she talking about her cat? Why is she talking about her kids? Why is she telling us her private life? And I was like, and I answered back very frankly. And I said, when I was your age, I wish someone was like me there, because at least if I didn't have a good night's sleep, if I had some issues in my family, because we can't stop everything and come to, to work. We drag everything with us in the suitcase yeah. and that's kind of part of it. And sometimes if you're not in the best mood, you're not going to perform at all. And if you're not, if you don't know that people really care about you genuinely at work, you will not give your hundred percent because then you're just going to be, it's a job and it's for the money. And I know that 80% of us are here for the money, plus the thrill of doing something fabulous they are proud of. Because then you are proud to talk about it in the playground when you're picking up your kids at your GP's appointments or your doctor's in the social gathering, instead of saying, oh, I am an accountant. But imagine that you're an accountant who is thriving in his contest 
contact, sorry, with his friends and colleagues and bosses and whatever. And you come and he's like, oh my God, I work as an accountant and it's a fabulous team because we're trying to do this and that. It's not, I'm just an accountant and it's boring, right? Yes, absolutely. I think, I think especially in, in the age that we are living in, people expect a lot more than just their salary. They want to contribute. They want to make a difference. And I talk to a lot of leaders on a daily basis, both young as well as a little bit more seasoned like us. And I see that like the young people are already leading differently or they want to be led differently. But even the people who have been leading for decades, they have to change. Or they are facing this dilemma because suddenly the way they were leading for the last many decades is not working anymore. Those people want to be led differently, so they have to adapt and change. And it's a fascinating journey. And I think that's so where you shared, right? Sometimes it can it can involve those uh, putting yourself on the spot and answering very frankly. But at the end, it's what carries you forward. Absolutely. I think that one example that I want to highlight is as a leader, you do not fear being wrong or being not knowing. So when I came into my first job, I was trying to handle a lot of things and a lot of things to digest a lot of things. And I nearly burned out myself. And I learned from this experience that I don't know everything. And that's what I said at the start of the conversation. I like to touch at everything, but some things I will go in depth because I'm passionate about. Some I will just touch because I'm interested to know, but there are experts who will spend more time. Website developments for marketers is one of the most important parts. I am not a developer. I understand the structure, the strategy about it. I get the fundamental, but then building it coding, not my passion, not my cup of tea. I came to the team and I was quite open and I said, because that's how I introduce at least my skills, is that I put the SWOT analysis, guys. This is my strength. These are my weaknesses. These are my opportunities. It is the threat from me, for the team, for myself. And I said, this, I mean, my strength is... I can see the vision, I have business acumen, and data talk to me and I talk to it like we are friends. So we put the next cell and I will, I can get it within two seconds. My weakness, I have impatience. I'm not a techie person and I like things to be simple. After 10 seconds, I lose concentration on what you're trying to tell me. And my threat is I get very passionate so I can be very bullish about it. If you know how to handle me, fine for you. So that's where people are like, what? You're seriously telling us that. And I'm like, I want you to do the same and be frank because we're building a team. And your success is my success is everybody's success. Yeah. And people are like, wow. And I said, this is how you really use a SWOT analysis on a personal thing. And that's how also how I find my, my, when my clients come and the first conversation is, hi, how are you? What can you do for me? And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do anything for you. Fill this on a frank conversation and let's see if we're aligned. Because this is a character, personality is what you can bring me. I don't want to do a redundant job. And you don't want someone who is thinking out of, outside of the box yet or inside the box or whatever the situation. Mm. And that kind of triggers within people the thinking of, oh my God, I'm doing a 360 on myself. And I need to be honest because I'm working with other people who may nurture me. So I learned a lot about the details of emailing marketing platforms because I had a team member who was so passionate about it. So she went into the depth and sometimes she would explain to them, oh my God, what do you mean by that? How can we do that? Oh, you can do this and that. The coding, the guys from the SEOs side of it were like explaining to the rest of the team and you pick up something that you at some point thought you understood, but it's changed and so on and so forth. So at the end, you have 30, 35, 35 members on a call on a monthly basis 
who share best practice. Everyone might have the 10 minutes to say, guys, this is the meeting, what it, the meeting is about. It's not about me giving you orders or giving you an update. Is you giving an update from your rules to the rest, giving any updates, any hints, any things, any critique, because critique is good to say, guys, yeah. the website sucks. And I've seen something else. Can, what do you think? And it's like a collective. And that's what's the way, what I, you know, I, I kept doing and still do. As a collective, I say, I am not the boss. Whatever you're doing, Summit, is going to reflect on us as a whole. So it's, if it's a shitty place, it's shitty. If it's good, it's going to be good. So yeah. it's no work showing, not my work. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think to, to anybody who is listening, I want to add that this is what happens when a group of people actually start working with each other like they are. Like This is what a team means. A team is not just five people or 35 people working together, but when they can really share feedback, listen to feedback, and really be themselves without thinking about how the other person will think of them. Will this impact my bonus? Or all of those thoughts which actually stop us from helping our company, helping our customers, helping every other commitment that we have taken on as leaders or as even as professionals. This is being yourself playing at a larger company level. Is you see that kind of spontaneous energy flowing up and people really being upfront, frank, but without making anybody defensive or without triggering any emotions. And people are just, even if there are disagreements, you use that energy very productively rather than it getting caught up in stress or like grudges, things which are left unsaid, but always play a role. Absolutely. It's very important. I keep telling these new founders and leaders is that, guys, when it comes to team meetings, it's not about you. It's about them. It's their shining moments. Because I do remember when I was in the very corporate roles, my quarterly meeting, and I was heading a big region, I had 40 people plus in terms of a call. And the call was about every quarter, you'll have three people or three teams coming to share their best practice, what they have done in their market at the best. I work with every market and I follow them and strategize with them and set up their KPIs and make sure that we track them and get the resources there. But it's not about me because I'm already on the job. It's about them. It's their pride about, oh my God, we did it and we're showcasing. So I remember one of the one of the calls, the guys from Mauritius, which is the smallest island you can feel, you can find on the globe in terms of in Africa, saying to me, are you, are, Yasmina, are you sure you want us on the call? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I know that I helped you put the slide and the deck together because it's like a 10 minute presentation. It's not a half an hour. I'm personally an ADHD person, so I like things to be 30 minutes, wrap it up, focus. It's not like we're taking ages to do it. So you're, you have a 10 minute, it's a five minute slides and an eight minute conversation, right? Because that's what one we want to trigger is the conversations between people. And basically what happened is he was like, are you sure you want me and my, my, my team members to come and present it? And I'm like, absolutely. This is what I want. You've been working hard for the event and I want you mm. to go. And they're like, we can put, because this best practice will be on the top of the library and among the other things that the rest of the other teams would be taking and onboarding. And he's like, me, Africa, Mauritius, smallest, showcasing to German, right? To, to French, to you, you British people. Nordics people, right? What we did best then, better than them. And I was like, this is that, this is it. This is it. You need to be proud. You need to say, okay, I did it. And it was for them 
a moment of, oh my God, my, my boss is putting me under the light and I'm not talking because I'm just one member like sitting in the atten attending without talking and everything. I'm just opening and saying, guys, welcome. And then closing up, wrapping up. Thank you very much. See you in the, at the usual meetings. But they were so, that made them super happy that the internal team within Mauritius were like super happy. They were like talking about it. They had like drinks after that with the rest of their team. And they were like, guys, we showcase the European, how we do it. And we were proud. And this is what you want. This is what you want to trigger people's about because that's a nurture than self-confidence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And when they quit the company, when I, when I left, they left just after they called me and they're like, we are in a better position, blah, 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 this kind of companies. And it's good because you want people to move forward. And they're like, you have been the best mentor. Yeah. And there is a, there is no better gift that, that you can give to somebody else than to believe in their ability more than they believe themselves. I think that's the best gift and you're demonstrating that, how you did that. So if you were to shift gears a little bit towards the future, can you share now, given how self-aware you are, given your journey, where are you headed now and what are the biggest challenges that you see on the way? Wow, that's a lot of things to think about. That I am where I am supposed to be. I believe in this, the universe and things like that. So I believe that I'm in the right space right now working with people who aligned with me, the stars, because I am not aiming to make money or making statues. I'm aiming to have my passions fulfilled. That's what my dad said at the beginning. And this is where I'm starting really to understand that working your passion is the best things to do in life. First, you work for the experience, you work for the status, you work for the money. And at some point, if you're lucky enough, you work for the passion. What is it, right? What is it that... Uh... My passion is sci-fi. My passion is science fiction. I think I'm your non-usual girl. So cars, science fictions, NFT gamers, anything that you cannot put into a gender, that would be me. So obviously, this is where I am. And fun enough in, in that way is I love the Web3 for the metaverse, the space they're creating, because 20 years ago, I would have watched like Dunes or Star Wars and anything science fiction. Would say, oh my God, I wish we had the holograms. Three years ago, I was working with a company who did the holograms and they were like, why are you working with us? Why are you supporting us? I was like, because I loved Leia's in RD2. So that's why I'm supporting you now for free. So once you get your funding, Remember that someone was a sci-fi behind it. So that's where maybe the passion comes across. Yeah, yeah. And as you move forward, right? So you're very unique. I think you know that and it's very visible. There's also a risk of people misunderstanding you. So what are some of those challenges that you face as you really follow your passion in the world? Well, to be honest, there are two things. I am at the state where I do not really care. If you hmm. don't understand me, that means that we are not all the same circle. That means that I'm not going to waste my energy, neither my time, trying to convince you. I'm beyond that. I found my crew, I find my tribe. And if my tribe understand me and I understand them and we build something together and you feel you're misunderstanding me, that's your problem and that's not mine anymore. And that's what I'm also teaching my kids. Is If someone doesn't understand where you're coming from or your context or the way you're in, that means that they are not there yet. So it's not a negative thing. It means that they may take more time to reach this level. But if you are more aware, self-aware, that's good for you because then you're going to take better decision in life and you're through your path. So that's what is important when we say, I don't care about what people say or think about me. 
It's because I'm self-aware of what I want, what I need, and how I want my time to be spent. Absolutely. Thank you for adding that. And I think that's another dimension of being yourself. Because being yourself also means that you're okay with somebody getting you wrong or somebody not understanding you. And then you don't care, but not as an as a, as a arrogant statement, but also a very deep self-belief in who you are. And as you said, it's not wrong if somebody doesn't see the world the way I do. Maybe we will meet at a later stage, but for now, I'm very comfortable. I do not need somebody else's approval or somebody else's validation to feel good. Absolutely. I think that arrogance is the worst thing that happens in a human being because that you think that you're above everybody. And I think that one thing that I learned through the, the last years in my career is that you need to be humble because you learn every day. People are different. I come from a different ethnicity than other elder peoples. That's what built me up. I'm a woman. I'm a Muslim. I'm African. Ended up with my first career with Japanese. Right now, I'm in the metaverse and the gaming, which is very kind of US oriented again. And very, and you don't find many things. And this kind of, you need to be humble because you learn from everybody. Being arrogant means that you are just hiding something. I'm not hiding anything. I came to the web screen and I was like, guys, I'm not a coder and I'm a developer, but I'm a strategist. Teach me what you want. I can give you my vision. So that's why I work with these people and they are open. We are open. We try to nurture each other, not be like, I know more than you. I remember someone saying that to me, oh, I know more than better than you. And I was like, sure, I have 20 years of experience. I will be your student for the next year for free. How about that? People look at you and go, okay, I'm a quick learner. I will set aside a few hours because I want to learn. And I said to people who want to get into my world, if you want, you need to learn. And I got a brilliant email this morning. I met with a guy who I connected with last year through another platform on a social on lunch club to, to work together. And I was talking about something. He was talking about something else. Now he's catching up and said, Yasmina, the meeting yesterday was brilliant. You showed me that I need to learn. Even if I'm at this stage, I'm picking, I'm getting someone to cheat me. So I'm going to pay someone to tell me what the blockchain is about. And I was like, fantastic. Now, if you're ready, let's jump and let's do things together. Let's thrive. And it took him a year. And he said that. He's like, oh my God, it took me a year to understand what we were saying. But that's fabulous. And I said, welcome to the gang. That's it. Absolutely. I think you're making a very important point that learning never stops. And it's also very tied in with humility. That's where you started. Being humble also includes acknowledging when you do not know something, when you're wrong, when you mess up. And to, even for leaders, sometimes saying I need help is very difficult. But that's, I often say that's an act of courage. That's not an act of weakness. If you say I do not know or I need or I'm lost here, especially for a leader, that's an act of courage where you are actually being humble and asking for help or opening up a space which was earlier closed. Thank you for sharing that. Now my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. so if you were to write a book, and I think you have many ideas which can be distilled into a book, what would the book be about? Oh my God, me writing a book, it would be about science fictions. That's it. Okay, I didn't expect that. (laughs) I wouldn't talk about leadership or whatever because I think it's, it's like a personal path to each one has his own way of leading. They just need to unlock this potential yeah. and listen to themselves rather than go into coachings and training. 
I come from the training in, in, in tech and I'm the first one to, and I say that to my CEO at that time. He came and he's, oh my God, you can love the training. And I looked at him and I was like, your training sucks. <laughs> you have the courage to see to that to the CEO and you're just a newbie, right? And the guy was like, but I just hired you as the VP of the region. I'm like, that's the case. You suck, guys. It's just horrible. We need to rethink it. We need to open up to other people. We need to listen to other things. And I think that's even as a CEO of a, one of the biggest leadership and training company in the world, he was just like staring at me like, oh, I did not expect that. So that's why I'm saying leadership is not about training. We can help. It's like a cooking. I always compare this to cooking. Nobody, neither a female or a male, know how to cook hunger. You either, you will find the best cook who are chefs are men. They're not women, right? Because they get into this passion of theirs and they performed it and mastered it. So I came to cooking when I was 30, when I got my first kid. And I was like, okay, we're not going to do takeaways and pizzas and stuff like that. So you have to start somewhere. And YouTube was not a thing yet. So I had to call my mom and start figuring out how to learn to cook, like meals, proper meals. Like, yeah. And it went through a very hard journey, but you do it step by step and you open up to yourself. So, and I would probably say that down the road, I extended this learning now through friends, through books, through restaurants, through tastings, through going to other people's. But this is what leadership is up. It's, about, it's like cooking. You, once you really want to lead people, you want to create teams, to create something, a force like that can be reckoned in the sphere or the industry, you need to see what the others are doing, see what yourself are capable of, because you're going to count a lot on your cap own capability when everything's go wrong and it does go wrong. You need yes. some clients yes. to stand up and say, I screwed guys. I take the full responsibility or guys, you know what? I am, I am not my best. And you cry and say, okay, I am, I, I am a human after all. And I need this mental support because I can't do it by myself. And that's what you don't get taught in courses and, and trainings, unfortunately. Absolutely. I think leadership is about learning and then anybody can learn that. Uh, and I think I, I am, I'm remembering something. I'm remembering a quote, uh, I think, which I, because just because what you shared about cooking uh, and women and men, uh, so the quote is that the best thing that a father can do for their children is to love their mother. Uh, and uh, I think what I'm relating to leadership, to what you shared is the best way to lead is to lead by example, to really demonstrate it. So, because when you said, I don't want to write a book about leadership, because I think you are an open book, you're being a leader. And that's the biggest gift you can give to teach or to communicate or to show what leadership is rather than putting it into a lecture and then trying to do it. So the best way to lead is often to, or always to lead by example, and then everything else follows. All the strategies, all the books. And another thing, I think just like cooking as much as you go outside to learn the recipes, the ingredients, it's also a very inner journey, right? Because you cannot cook unless you really love food or you really love the aromas. Similarly, leadership is also, there is that external journey to going after results or milestones. But it is also that internal journey of right, really facing your demons, really opening up, being honest, even when it is not comfortable, and then integrating everything as you move forward. So thank you for sharing. I mean, you have really assumed it very well. One of the things that comes 
when you said about cooking is you have to love cooking or you have to love cooking for some someone. And as you said, I don't like cooking, but I love my kids and I love my husband above all. And for me, making a meal that we all share that he's homemade was for me the driver. And that's why I tell the leaders today is that find your driver. Today, I work, I wouldn't say 60 hours, 80 hours, depending on project. We have a lot of things going on and I love what I do. But that means one thing. I cook homemade meals every day. I make my bread. I make the cookies. They're not all great looking and I can send pictures to even my teams know that sometimes the shape looks awful. But on the other hand, my kids are the best critique. It's like, oh, mom, come on. And I have to accept it. And I have to say, it was not a good match. Oh, yeah, no, mom, not that good. So could you change? And this is what you have to put together as a leader. Find your driver and be open to critiques. People, it's not because they don't love you that they're going to critique, make a criticize, criticism about you. They will crit make a critics because they enjoyed or they want to support you. That's the mindset. So when my kid tell me the bread is too dry or too much salty or I don't like the walnuts in it, what's the kind of new recipe you're making? It's, well, it's not cooked as last time. It means that I screwed something up along the mm. process. And I'm not going to tell them, you eat and you shut up. I would be like, okay, all right. And I keep telling my kids every time, I love you because you are the best kind of people who can give me the best and honest feedback. Because when people come to your house, they're never going to say that. It's the same at the office. People are too nice, diplomatic, fearing to lose their job, to tell you what they really think. So that's you need to have the real people telling you what's not good, what's not yes. working. Yes. Yeah, and I think another wonderful example, right? The best thing maybe you can do after receiving critical feedback is to say thank you and then also that I love you for sharing this with me because otherwise, how would I know that? And then that lowers the defenses, lowers the, like all of those diplomatic barriers that we end up creating ourselves. And that really stops us from sharing what we are already thinking, but it stops us from sharing with each other. So thank you. I think we can continue with for this for hours, but I want to, I also want to wrap it up. Thank you for sharing your life, sharing yourself so openly. I'm touched by, by how you shared. I'm sure everybody who listens to this will be left inspired and moved by, by what you shared. And before we end, is there anything, any lasting thought that you would like to add? Or if anybody wants to reach out to you, how can they do so? Well, you can share my LinkedIn where I'm mostly active with Twitter. I am also very happy to answer any questions, any, because I, for me, it, as I said, again, I come from the African tribes. For us is sharing knowledge, sharing experience. That means how, this is how I build the next generation. And I do that for the African Leadership University, for Westminster University, where I graduated a few years back. And it's important to think that you are one piece of the puzzle that you're not unique. You are only unique in the way that you want to set yourself up. Otherwise, people will all see the puzzle as a one piece and you're not going to stand out. So I think that's my advice to everyone who is listening or maybe interested in taking their next step is to assess themselves and ask the closest one to assess them with honesty. Because that's important to take your next step to find your drivers. Thank you. Thank you, Yasmina, for sharing that. And thank you for your time and presence. 
And I wish you all the best in everything that you have in store for you ahead. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to me as an old lady rambling about my stories. It was my pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come, and have big dreams for the future. Please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.